Tonight, I'd love to have a go at talking to you about finding your purpose, finding your God-given purpose. Every child of God has a God-given purpose. Do you know your purpose? Do you know you have a purpose? Do you know what your purpose is? Another way for talking about purpose is talking about meaning. When you talk about purpose, you're talking about meaning. When you say, I have a God-given purpose, you're also basically making a declaration. I have a God's sense of meaning. My life means something. And it's tragic when a human being, when a child of God, a creation of, uh, uh, you know, the, someone that God has created in His image walks around lacking meaning, lacking purpose, lacking a sense of value and dignity. And so I'm going to read some verses tonight that hopefully get us just familiar with what God says to our hearts about purpose. So is anyone interested in that tonight? If you're full of purpose, stay full of purpose. If you're not sure, well, tonight I know this is going to be an encouragement to you. But I want to just give you just a little bit of an idea of what the biblical view of purpose can be and what it does say about purpose over our lives. So I'm going to read from starting at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. Hopefully behind me, the screens will come up. You can follow along. And if you want the notes, more than willing, more than um, honourable to be able to send that to you so you can read it, get it into your own heart. But this is what it says, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, verse 36 to 38. Jesus travelled around the towns and the villages. He taught in their meeting places, spoke about God's kingdom, healed their diseased bodies, healed their bruised, hurting lives. And when He looked out over the crowds, His heart was compassionate towards them. People were confused and lacked purpose, like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, He said to His disciples. How few workers. On your knees and pray for harvest hands. See here, this is Jesus when He was alive. The Gospels give us some of the aspects of Jesus, what He did, what He said. He said way more than what we know. He healed more people than we. It's just the gospel writers only captured an aspect because they were all realizing second, third generation believers, they hadn't seen Jesus. They hadn't seen Him heal the sick. They hadn't seen Him uh, do anything. They just heard about it. So next generation, next generation. So there came a point where they're like, we've got to get down on writing. So the Spirit of God stirred the eyewitnesses, those who went with Him, talked with Him, spent time with Him, saw what He did and how He talked and how He conducted Himself. He brought the fragrance of heaven to earth. He represented the invisible God and He made the invisible God visible. And so they started to put it down. So Matthew's Gospel, Mark's Gospel, they reckon Mark's Gospel is the first one that comes out. And, and we get Luke and we get John. But the point I'm making is, is in this particular Matthew's Gospel, um, we get a picture of what Jesus is like. He's looking around, He sees people and He sees them confused. He sees them without purpose. And what does He say straight away? They're sheep without a shepherd. He knows that something's missing. You and I today in the 21st century, if we walk around Berlin, sheep, without a shepherd, confused, hurting. And so though we see it in Matthew's Gospel, we're also seeing it in our own day and in our own present age. And so Jesus says, what a huge harvest. 
So He highlights what the need is. People need purpose for their lives. And not just purpose, they need a shepherd for their life. I've said it many, many times and I'll say it again. If you haven't got a shepherd, what did I always say? No, if you haven't got a pastor, you're heading for a disaster. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work at the five o'clock service. It never does. The mornings love it, but the evenings are like, huh? I know it is American because I heard it from an American. But I just remember years and years ago, you ain't got a pastor, you're heading for a disaster. It just stuck, it just stuck. All right, well, move on, move on. Okay, thank you for the encouragement. Such a... <laughs> but another one, let me give you another one. John's Gospel, completely different Gospel here. John 15 verses four to five. Jesus said, stay joined to me and I will stay joined to you. No branch can produce fruit alone. It must stay connected to the vine. It is the same with you. You cannot produce fruit alone. You must stay joined to me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you stay joined to me and I to you, you will produce plenty of fruit. But separated from me, you won't be able to do anything. So again, we have a divine ecosystem here. We have a vine, we have branches, we have fruit. We have vine, we have branches, we have fruit. We have vine, we have branches, we have fruit. We have, not wine, vine. Branches. Come on, say it with me. You're so good. But many times we can conduct ourselves as branches this way. Where's the fruit, Lord? Where's the fruit, Lord? Where's the fruit, Lord? And if you get the picture right, it's actually the opposite way around. Look to the vine. The fruit is a byproduct of looking to Jesus. The fruit is not your work, it's the work of the vine, the vine. The branches stay connected to the vine and the vine through connection produces the fruit. You can produce nothing on your own. That's why it's so hard for someone to try and live a Christian life without God. In fact, it's hard for any person to live a religious, pious life without a supernatural source. And that's what you've got to understand. It's a divine ecosystem. He's saying, you can't do it without me. You can't do it without me. And there's another one. Let me give you a couple more here. This is one of my favourites. This is the one that got me when I first started to follow Jesus. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. Hopefully it can come up on the screen here so you can see it for yourself. God has created everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. He has also planted eternity, a divine sense of purpose in the human heart, a deep longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Yet humanity struggles to comprehend or grasp the full scope of God's overall plan from the beginning to the end. The full scope. Nothing under the sun can satisfy that deep sense of purpose that's being deposited in every human heart. The moment a child is conceived, an eternal sense of purpose is already deposited. 
we look at the embryo and we look at the scan and we look at that and we go, wow, it's amazing. And we know from the psalmist that God has fearfully and wonderfully made each and every one of us. So there's a divine sense of purpose that's been put in every human being. We, as, 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 as human beings, as people that have been created in the image of God, we actually deep down know that there is something about our lives. There's some meaning, there's some sense of purpose. We're not here just getting by. We've come from nothing. We're going to nothing. So what's the point? No, that is not what goes on. We fight, we struggle, we wrestle with these things because we know inside of us, there is a deep divine sense. And guess who put it there? God. Now, if we were to talk about electronics, if we were to talk about maybe um, software, if we're talking about uh, uh, algorithms, if we're talking about programming, and we're talking about all of the stuff that many people are aware of today, there's a whole lot of things that have been sewn into the circuitry, into, into the digital framework or into the, 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 the blueprint of whatever it is that they're creating. There's a human embryo there. There's a, him, a human imprint of something. Something has been embedded. And, 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 and where do you think we get that from? Because ultimately God has created Himself. A little bit of Him has been deposited in every single one of us. And we know, we know that we were meant for Him and not for anyone else. And that's why you've got to preach the Bible. You've got to preach the Word of God. It's through the foolishness of preaching and teaching that He confounds the wise. There's a divine sense of purpose in every single person. We can bury it. We can deny it. We can hide it. We can delay it. We can drown it out with everything else. But I'm telling you, when that divine sense of purpose is spoken to, it's going to come alive in Jesus' Name. I pray for God-given purpose to come alive in every single person on earth. Because I'm telling you, you want to change the ecosystems of the world, you've got to change the internals of the world. We can work on the externals and change very little. But if we work where the real root problem is, the heart of humanity, we just might actually solve things quicker than we could imagine. Yes, I believe in education. Yes, I believe in renewables and, 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 and actually finding new ways to do things, new food securities, new ways to feed ourselves, new ways to protect ourselves. I definitely believe in doing things in a sustainable way, but with the wisdom of God. But if you want to deal with the surface problems, you will never be very effective. You've got to deal with the root problems. And I'll tell you, the biggest root problem on planet Earth is spiritual poverty. We do not know Him. And so we try to do things without His wisdom. And I'm not saying that we haven't some success, but we have a very good leaning towards messing things up. And so what I want you to understand that that divine sense of purpose is in every single person in this room. Because God put it there. From the moment you were conceived, that beautiful sense of internal, God-given eternal purpose has been deposited in you. And at some point, it's going to be triggered. Some point, it's going to be spoken to. At some point, it's going to be encouraged. At some point, it's going to come alive. And for me, it was at 23 years of age. I don't know why it was 23 years. Why couldn't it have been like Joyce, four days old? I don't know, I was a slow developer. 
like most of you in the room. But the slow ones get there in the end. But what I am saying to you is that God knows how to speak to our hearts. And so let me give you one more here. Colossians chapter 1, verse, chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. We look at Jesus and we see the invisible God. When we look at Jesus, we can see God's original purpose in everything created. For absolutely everything above, below, visible, invisible, every rank of angel, including thrones, dominions, principalities and powers, everything got started in Him and finds its purpose in Him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up till this moment. And when it comes to the church, He leads and holds it together like a head does a body. What would the church be without Jesus? Have you ever seen a body without a head? Have you ever seen a head without a body? No, the beautiful picture is that He's the head and we're the body. If He's leading, then we're following. So these are the things when it comes to purpose. So I really want to just give you a simple thing so you can think about it, get a hold of it for your life. Because I'm not trying to waste time tonight. I want you to understand there's so much actually importance on time right now. We need you to be front and center. We need you to be a child of God who knows that you're a child of God. We need you to be spiritually alive, not spiritually dull. We need your focus, not distracted. We need you ready for the purposes of heaven on earth. Not running around with grave clothes, but running around being a bright light because that's who we're called to be. So when it comes to finding purpose, there's three ways you can do this, just as a simple way. Look in, look out, look up. Why don't you say it with me? Look in, look out, look up. Have a go at it again. Look in, look out, look up. In, out, shake it all about. No, 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 no. In, out, up. In, out, up. Look in. Thank you. I like you. Look in, look in, look in, look in. What's inside of you? What's inside of that amazing person that you are? What's inside of you? What's in the deepest depths of your heart? What is it that you know that no one else knows? What is it that you kind of have a sense of, but you haven't really dared to tell anybody? You've got to look in. If you want to know your God-given purpose, you've got to look in. You've got to put it down into this sense of what's inside of me. And so I'm going to give you some things to ask yourself that's going to get that to out. When it comes to looking out, look out. And in other words, look out who's around you. So looking in is a way of you reflecting, a you of capturing. You've got to capture. You've got to write it down. Sometimes you don't know what's in there till you start to let it out. How do you write songs? I'm not a songwriter, but I do understand creativity. If you have a thought, you've got to get it out. I love ideas. I have ideas. I have a billion ideas. It's almost like they all come at the same time. Sometimes I can't sleep because I'm just, just full of ideas. But I know this, if I don't capture them, they get lost because there's more ideas coming. Anyone else like that? So you've got to learn to capture. This is the first beginning of getting things done. You've got to get it 
out of your head. If it's in your head, it's not getting done. So if it's inside of you, for it to become a tangible reality, not just to you, but to those around you, the world in which you're serving, you've got to get it out by honouring what's inside of you. And for some people tonight, you've got to just take some time to actually ask yourself, what is inside of me? Then when it comes to what's outside of me, it's those around me. What do those around me say? Well, my mum always says that. Yeah, your mum's right. We don't listen to sometimes the people that we should listen to, but there are people that see things over our lives that we kind of take for granted. And you gotta learn to listen to the people that are around you because God has put people in your life, not to hurt you, but to help you. I know because of the brokenness of our human story, it's not always that case, but generally speaking, look out and ask yourself who's around me. Maybe you're not around your family right now. Maybe you've got to a point of your age where your family, not so much behind, but your friends are the dominant influence in your life. Maybe it's the people you're currently living with and doing life with and working with and studying with. I don't know, but what do they say? What do my friends say? What do my family say? This is a thought, maybe possible. What does your pastor say? I don't have a pastor. Well, okay, that's fine. You need to get a pastor then. You're heading for a disaster. But what I am saying to you is, is what's the purpose of me and Joyce to you then? If we're just here to waste your time talking about Bible verses? No, we have a bigger purpose than just reading a Bible to you. But let me tell you, our purpose is not to tell you how to live your life. That's, that's not what our purpose is. Our purpose is to help you find your purpose. What a great, oh, that gets me to come alive. Because if, if I can help you to find out what it is that's on your life, we're going somewhere in Jesus' Name. So it's a huge privilege to be able to speak into God's people. And so we don't just try to annoy you with Bible verses. That's not what we're doing, boring you, irritating you. No, we're actually trying to help you. But when, we, when you honour that, and you re, see, you, you receive from that which you honour. If you honour the Word, you'll receive from it. If you honour God, you'll receive from it. If you honour the, 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 the ministry of the Word, you're going to receive from the ministry of the Word. If you're going to honour me, you will receive from me. But that works for all of us. If we honour each other, we will receive from each other. It's one of the greatest missing ingredients in the church, especially in Europe, probably around the world. Honour. It's a powerful thing because it keeps you receiving. Honour the Holy Spirit, honour the presence of God, honour the Name of Jesus. It's amazing what honour can do. I think a lot of people are just struggling because they're not. there's no honour. And the reason you can honour is because you've been honoured. Turn to someone next to you and say, you're so honoured. Because Jesus has honoured you. So look in, look out, listen to the people around you. Ask them, what do you see? What do you think? Ask the people around you. You don't have to ask me, but I'm saying to you, we are here to be a blessing to you. If that's something that you want to ask, it's something that we would love to share with you. But ask the people around you. That's called looking out. And what about looking up? Looking up is just, can I honour God with that which I've seen? That which I've acknowledged. I've looked in, 
and I'm writing some things down that really come to my mind, come to my attention. I've asked my people around me. I've asked not just my friends who will agree with me or maybe disagree with me or, or people are going to say what I want to hear. But I'm asking genuinely people that could actually just give me a perspective that maybe I haven't considered. Now you've looked in, now you've looked out, now look up. God, all of this, now can I honour you with it? It's a simple question, but it's amazing where it's going to lead you. And I'm only saying this because we make it too complicated sometimes. Look in, look out, look up. So here's some of the thoughts, again, that can really stir you. Now, the first question you can ask yourself is, what do you desire the most? What do you desire the most? What do you desire the most? It's a great question. At least try, ask, what do I desire the most? Maybe you get stuck and you have to meditate a little bit. Maybe you've got to just put it down on paper and just go, you know what? I don't know. I'm so cluttered. I'm so confused. Oh my goodness, I want to look at my phone again. I mean, it's, it's just like a hard thing to get started sometimes. But if you'll just push everything away and write it down, what do I desire the most? And just listen. What starts coming to your attention? Oh, you know what? Oh, you know what? Oh, you know what? Just write it down. Just write it down. You can write 10 things down. You can write 100 things down. It's still going to help you to find out what it is. And it's obviously going to help you to see things that you're not currently seeing. So at least it's the first question. What do I desire the most? Let me give you some biblical references. Psalm 37 verse 4. Many of you will know this. Delight yourself in the... And He will give you the desires of your heart. So everyone has got heart's desires. What is in your heart that you desire? But when you delight yourself in the Lord, guess where your desires are going to come from? How can you not delight in the Lord? Let me say it this way. How are you going to get the wrong desires by delighting in the Lord? Those who delight in the Lord... He's able to give them the desires of their heart. The desires that are in you will come out of this relationship of delighting in Him. So in other words, don't worry about having the wrong desires. Ask yourself the question, am I delighting in Him? Delight in the Lord. And it's amazing how the desires of your heart come to pass. Why? Because it's with Him, by Him, through Him. So those who delight in the Lord... He gives the desires of the heart. So what's inside of you? Your desires. Well, how's that going to come to pass? How's that going to happen? I don't know if that's ever going to... No, delight in the Lord. He's able to take you where you can't take yourself. Well, I want to go to that uni, Lord. That's the one I've got my heart on. God, I'm just going to delight in you. I'm going to give it to you. Oh, I got tonight. (laughs) God, (laughs) there's no point having to fight about it. Just... Step back a little bit. Hang on a minute. That's the one I wanted. The door's closed. What do you do when the door's closed and that's the uni that you wanted? You just go back to the Lord and go, okay, you know what? It hasn't opened up, but I'm open to you. Open up something, Lord. And it's not gambling or, you know, 21s or whatever it is you use. You know, it's not, it's definitely not whatever you call it. Um, what's that game I just played last week? Um, not blackjack. I didn't play that. Uno. <laughs> 21. I did say 21, sorry. Uh, that's from my past, sorry, come back. Uh, I'm, uno, I'm just Uno-ing it these days. 
I'm an Uno man these days. Is it Uno? Yeah, Uno. <laughs> listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Listen to me. There's nothing wrong with picking things that you want. Some people, I didn't choose Berlin. Berlin chose me. I don't know. It, you've got to remember God's ultimately, if you're delighting in Him, He's not going to lead you astray. And you've got to trust God with this stuff. So there's, here's another one. Psalm 27 verse 4. The one thing that I want from God, the thing that I seek the most, most of all, is the privilege of meditating in His temple, living in His presence every day of my life, delighting in His incomparable comparable perfections and glory. So here, Psalm 27 gives you an indicator. I, 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 this is what I long for the most. This is what I desire the most, that I would know Him, that He would know me, that I would walk and talk with my Creator, my Saviour, my Jesus. Listen to me, if that's where you're pitched, if your heart is pitched towards Him, it's hard for you to get off track. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's hard if you're going to go for God. And I think we've just got to understand when you get a God's sense of purpose, you're more likely to stay on track than you are to get caught off track and end up, how did I get here? And it's not a condemnation because any of us can get off track. Any of us can get lost. The truth is, it's just if you honour the purpose over your life, it's amazing how you're going to honour it, value it, protect it. Just like you do your own children, if, those, if you've got them, you're going to honour the call of God on your life. I bumped into someone a few weeks ago and I was just, and I, and I see the person regular, we live close by and I just stopped and I just said, hey, hi. And he said, hi. And I just said, hey, do you mind if I ask you a question? And he's like, yeah, yeah, like, go ahead. And I just said, what happened? He's like, what do you mean? He said, you know, like, what happened? Like, is, did we, and, and it was from the pandemic time, hasn't come back to church. And I just trying to find out, is there anything going on that, you know, I don't want to be rude. I'm not trying to be, you got, it's a fine line when you're pastor <laughs> and you love people and you speak the potential over their lives and you see each other and it's getting awkward. It's like, well, you just don't want to say anything, but I'm not, I don't want to be like that. But I also don't want to be, I, I, I want to respect people and where they are. So it can be awkward. But I just said, hey, you know, what happened? He just said nothing. It's like, what do you mean nothing? He said nothing. We just got lazy. Pandemic happened. And we didn't leave the house. Food's there. TV's there. Everything's good. Fine. Money's in the bank. Beer's in the fridge. Like, I don't need God. I was like, well, at least you're honest. <laughs> A lot of people aren't. But at the same time, out of his mouth, he said, but we need community and we realise it. We actually miss it. And I'm not the type of guy to say, we'll come back to church. I'm saying, well, what are you going to do about that? And the only thing I could do, and everyone's got different ways to do in this, I respect that. But at the end of the day, I just felt not to say, come back to church. I just felt, look, there's a call of God on your life. And I just trust that you'll honour what's on your life. And not just honour that, but honour what's on your family. All I can do is at least peel to the call of God that's on them. Because you can't make anyone do anything. But I pray that you will honour the call of God on your life. That you won't play with it and stroke it or put it to the back or put it to the background or just like go, you know what? No, no, it is precious when you've been called by God. But these are some of the things. So what do you desire the most? Second one is what flows naturally out of you? What flows naturally out of you? Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Maybe the guys can put this on the screen. 
God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. What are you good at? What are you good at? Turn to the person next to you and say, what are you good at? Turn to the person who's just spoken to you and just say, I'll tell you later if you buy me dinner. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. What are you good at? What are you good at? My school reports from my teachers. My dad, when my mum passed away a few years ago, he gave them, he found them and he gave them to me a few years ago. I was so fascinated to read them. Went through all the reports. Joyce was laughing at every single one of them. Mark needs to pay more attention in class. Mark has a lot of potential, but he's easily distracted. Mark likes to talk a lot. Mark thinks that school is a social club for him, him and his friends. This is the teachers writing about it. I'm like, you're, you're just describing what God's gonna do with my future. I'm not good at a lot of things. In fact, probably the only thing I'm good at is talking. I'm a talker. <laughs> and my teachers didn't see it because they were trying to shut me up. But I love that. With God in my heart, no one's gonna shut me up because I will talk about His goodness forever and ever and ever in Jesus' Name. So what I'm trying to say to you is, is what are you good at? Everybody's good at something. Get the cooks cooking. Get the singers singing. There's nothing worse when the singers want to cook and the cooks want to sing. <laughs> Unless you can sing. Get the drivers driving. Get the leaders leading. Get the dancers dancing. Nothing worse when the cook wants to dance. But what I am saying, everyone is good at something. Well, I'm not like her. I'm not like him. No, you're not. You're perfect the way you are. Stop fighting, stop competing, stop comparing because it's eroding you. You gotta learn to realize that everyone has something naturally comes out of them. Oh, my mum always says that. Yeah, well, you should listen again to your mum. My dad was, listen to those who do see these things naturally coming out. Number three, I'll keep moving. What are you most fruitful in? Where are you most fruitful? It's a really interesting question because you don't always know where you're fruitful. But if you ask the question, it's going to take you somewhere. Luke, six, uh, Luke 13, verse 6, if you can put it on the screen, it says this, When he used this illustration, a man planted a fig tree in his garden, and he came again and again to see if it would find any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. It's kind of interesting scripture, but the gardener is sent to fertilize and to work on the, this, this fig tree. And there's another one, Matthew 12, 33 says, a tree is identified by its fruit. So in other words, there is fruit over your life. But ask yourself the question, where am I, more, more, where am I the most fruitful? Where am I the most fruitful? In other words, what is it that I do that just seems to work? What is it that I, 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 where is it that I just see fruit in my relationship? Where is it I see fruit in my labour? Where is it that when I put my hand to it, it just seems to work? There's lots of things that we put our hands to that doesn't work, but what is it that does work? 
Ask yourself the question, at least ask yourself the question and just see what happens. Number four, what do you think the Holy Spirit is saying to you? The Holy Spirit will speak to you, does speak to you. But do you know how to hear His voice? Romans 8 verse 14, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You can hear His voice. And by the way, that's not weird. Don't go tomorrow to your work or your uni and go, I heard the voice of God. They they may not understand what you're saying. Like, hello? You don't have to go and shout it out like, I heard the voice of God. Like, they'll lock you up or they'll do something. They'll put you away. I don't know what they'll do, but you're not helping. But you can hear His voice. And you can express what He says to you through the practicalness of your life. So what I am trying to say to you is, is as children of God, we should be able to help and hear the help of the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that we try to cultivate in our church is this one thing, write your one thing from Sunday. It's also teaching about valuing the Word, the Word of God on Sunday. But when you write down your one thing, why did that stand out? Why did that stand out? Why when that person said that spoke to me? Write it down, just one thing, not 10 things, just one. And then over three weeks, maybe even three months, look back and go, oh my goodly, oh my golly gosh, God is speaking to me because it will, you'll see a pattern, you'll see a pattern. And you won't feel weird and you won't feel like strange. You'll just go, wow, God is speaking and He can speak through all of us. But what I need you to understand is train your heart how to hear His voice, amen? That's just, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Because I tell you, He wants to speak to you. Number five, what do other people say? What do my leaders, my peers say? Uh, Proverbs 13, verse 20, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and you'll get into trouble. So in other words, you can glean wisdom from, from where there's wisdom. So really ask yourself, you know, what do other people say? I've already said this about looking out, but what do my leaders say? What do my peers say? And, and, and really listen. Listen to what they're saying. Don't be scared to ask the question, what do you see? What do you think? Pay attention to it. Number six, thank you for that, Katerina. Number six, what career or work would you love to pursue? Colossians chapter three, verse 23. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. What you do, are you doing it for the Lord? Are you doing it unto the Lord? If, if, if you never got thanks, you're doing it for Him anyway. Thanks is going to come from Him. And so often we forget who we're working for. You're not working for the shareholders. You're not working for that company or this person or that. You're working for the Lord. Amen. Bring the connection into your work, into your relationship with Jesus. It'll help you to see clarity. It'll help you to see what He sees. And it'll help you to minister in ways that you never thought you could because it helps bring the strength and the clarity to I'm doing this for the Lord. Amen. And I really hope you can get a hold of that because every one of you are going to go in a direction when it comes to work and career and purpose. Hopefully you're going to do what you love. Generations ago, they didn't do what they loved. They did what paid the bills. They did what fed the kids. They did what put a roof over their head. They did it from a survival instinct. You and I are not that generation. We get to choose what we want to do for the Lord. I really want you to be a doctor, son. I don't want to be a doctor. Now, culturally, we could get into a little bit of hot water right now. But what I am trying to say to you is, 
My parents didn't squeeze me into a mold. The door that opened up for me was electrical engineering. I hated it. Maths, 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 more maths. All these cables, all these formulas. I loved lighting. Lighting was great because it was creative. But I did it because that's what the door opened for me. But let me tell you, I've always had work. And from that, I was positioned, listen to me, I did, I started my own electrical business. At the age of 23, 24, I think, I started my electrical business and started building a business. And after several years of building it, I was got married to Joyce and I was able, we were able to buy our first home. And from that, we were able to move to Australia, go to Bible college. And what I was planning to do was come back and pick up the business again. But the, the thing is, is once I'd gone to college, there was no coming back. And Joyce and I just embraced what God has. But let me tell you what paid the bill was the business. What was the business? The studies and the apprenticeship and all of the things that I'd done for five years that I hated. It was getting me ready for something. It was preparing. It was opening a door for something I didn't really like. It had a purpose and it was moving me somewhere. And eventually I said yes to serving God in this capacity. But what I'm trying to say, it was electrical engineering that got me there. Where you are right now might not be your future, but it could be something that's preparing you for the doorway ahead. Amen. Amen. But you've got to keep moving. You've got to keep moving. And so I did it because I wanted to go to the house of God more. I didn't want it because I was a business guy. I did it because I had more time. When I work for a company, I'm on their time. If I work for myself, I'm on my time. So I absolutely built a business so I could be at church more. That's the true story. But it paid triple, 100% more than I could earn for another company. Contracting was good money, but when you work for yourself, better money. And the matter money paid the bills for study. And study put me in Australia. And Australia put me in London. And London put me in Berlin. So what is it that you're doing right now that's taking you to your future? Don't give up so easily. But can you connect what God wants to do? So just remember you're working for the Lord. Do it unto Him because He's so much more rewarding when you do that. And number seven, the last one here, what would you be willing to trade your whole life in for? In other words, you get to the end of your days. This is your beginnings. Meh. Oh, that's just lamb, sorry, that's a sheep. I'm trying to be a baby. Meh. You get to your teenage years. Meh. No, no, I'm only teasing. You get to the end of your years. And you look back over your life and you say, that's what I traded my life in for. Are you happy? Is that what you wanted to trade your life in for? Is, is that what it was all about? You got to the end of your years. It's a beautiful thing to use your imagination because it can mess with you in a good way. But you look back over years and go, that's what I spent my years doing. So if you don't like where you are right now, make some decisions. Change it so you can turn it around. You don't like the direction you're going. Good news is you can change the direction, amen? But you've got to get to the end of your days and go, you know what? That's what I traded my life in for and I am happy. I did my best with what I had. I honoured the Lord every step of the way. 
I held on to him every step. I've done a best to leave a legacy. I've done my best to impart something to the next generation. But you've got to look back sometimes and ask yourself the question, am I happy with what I did with my life? Don't waste your days. Don't waste your weeks. Don't waste your seconds. Every moment counts. Well, that sounds so intense. It's not intense. It's just what purpose will do for you. It will cause you to be more productive, not less productive. It will cause you to be more effective, not wasteful. We're talking about being wasteful with our resources, but we're wanting to change that narrative. Well, that's what purpose does. There's a purpose to the earth. There's a purpose to humanity. There's a purpose to the wildlife and to mammals and sea creatures and everything else we see around us. There's a purpose to the ecosystems. So what would you be willing to trade your life in for? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And we go to be with Him one day, He'll say, well done, well done, good and faithful. Well done, good and faithful. Sons and daughters. What do you wanna hear when you get to the end of your race? Well done, well done. Well, today you can decide what that looks like. Well, I got a long life ahead of me, Mark, yeah. Why don't you enjoy it? Don't wait for disaster to make the adjustments because they're not often sustainable. Them decisions from disaster, they're not often sustainable. People make decisions from disaster and I'm not saying they're not important. They are important. All decisions are important, but don't wait for disaster to make your best decisions. Make your best decisions from vision because you're doing it because you're, you don't wait for things to break before you make great decisions. That makes no sense. Though it happens, make decisions from vision. For God so loved the world, vision, that He gave His only Son, decision. Amen. Where there's vision, there will be decisions. That's why I started the service, what do you see? It's beautiful. It's beautiful when you see God given purpose on someone's life in Jesus' Name. Do you believe it? Purpose over every single one of you. Because purpose, God purpose, will keep you strong. God's purpose will help you to be a blessing to others. Don't forget that He has deposited a divinely eternal sense of purpose in your heart.